Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is a six-second stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that tells heartfelt stories to help you maximize your impact and inspire action in minimal time. Check out more about what we do at SixSecondStories.com. Okay, so check it. If you follow the show and you follow my storytelling journey, you know that there is a common bone that I have to pick with people that are in the storytelling space. Okay, storytelling is a marketing buzzword right now. We all know that. Most of us know that we need to use storytelling in our strategies. That's why you're here listening to this. But here's the deal. We know what we need to do tell stories. We know why we need to tell stories because they inspire action more than data or or product features do. But almost no one talks about how to do it, how to implement our storytelling strategy. Well, lucky for you, today my guest does just that. Today my guest is Melanie Diesel, the author of the Content Fuel Framework, which I'm telling you, you are gonna, you may get more out of this episode than anything you have gotten in the past week, month, or year because it is chock full of actual tangible advice. And when you are done listening to this episode, you're gonna want to go buy her book because she gives just a little peek into the framework. But you're gonna go, you're gonna want to go buy the book, the Content Fuel Framework, because the framework itself helps you create up to 100 unique pieces of content based off of one single content idea. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot tell you how helpful that will be because all of us struggle with how do I consistently put out good content, okay? We can do one good video, we can tell one good story, but to do it day in, week in, month in, all year long, you're gonna need a framework and a roadmap to consistently put it out, and Melanie does that. Melanie has a company called Story Fuel. She is a speaker, she is an author, and she spend some time with us today really breaking down how we can achieve it, especially for those of us that that aren't artists or filmmakers or writers and don't feel like they have the aptitude or the skills or the equipment and resources to tell good stories consistently. Now, things have changed right now. We are in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic that is, is shutting down the country, essentially. And Melanie and I spend a little bit of time talking about that. And I think the way that we, that she talks about approaching this in our businesses and in our strategies is a great analogy for how we should anyway, which is just talking about being receptive to what's going on, having your pulse or your having your finger on the pulse of what's happening and how to communicate and serve the best value to your audience. Okay. So I'm super excited to bring you all this episode because it's just, as I'm reading the book, it's just like, I've read so many storytelling books that are about the theory of storytelling, the big picture idea, the grand idea of, hey, we need to tell stories because they do this. But man, Melanie breaks it down and tells you how to do it. So I'm going to stop talking because you came here for her and her knowledge and her content fuel framework. Here it is. Check it out. Hope you guys love it. Well, welcome. I'm super stoked to have you on here. I'm glad we could fit it in our crazy schedules with all that's going on in the world right now. Uh, I wanted to ask, because um, I know a lot of uh, you know my speaker friends are, are, are suffering from what's going on out there right now. Like, Has this impacted your speaking business significantly since everything's getting shut down? Yeah, 100%. And it's one of those situations where you... You want your business to keep going, but you also understand that safety and, you know, yeah. the the broader the broader human race is a little more important in this yeah, particular moment. Sure. So many of us were talking. There was a moment where you were really bummed out at first, like, oh, gigs yeah. are getting canceled, yeah. canceled, canceled. And then at some point, and for me, it was around Thursday of this past week, the flip the, the switch just flipped and it was, God, I hope things get canceled, right? You started to, it, it really changed. It was a complete change yeah. of wanting to be home with family, not wanting to be exposed, not wanting to potentially expose others. You know, I think even though we're bummed, all of us in the speaking space, I think we have to acknowledge that we can make a big difference positive or negative, right? We're people who are out and about coming into contact with lots of people moving around, going through airports yeah. and, and train stations and, and everything else. And so it's in our best interest, I think, and to set an example for our audiences to make sure that we are not making things worse by, you know, pursuing our glory moments up on stage. <laughs> right, right. So, so how have you pivoted with this like opportunity slash, you know, restriction that you're dealt with now? Yeah, you know, I think we're all kind of in the middle of figuring that out. One of the right. things that's been been really interesting and and trying to help keep my wits about me is that 
things are changing day to day. Yep. So the situation we're dealing with today is not the situation we were dealing with when we closed business on Friday, right? And not the same as Wednesday or Monday of last week. So I'm trying not to make any massive decisions that have long-term impacts because we don't know what the situation is going to be next week. I think we can all brace at this point that it's probably going to continue to get worse before it gets better. Um, but for the most part, we don't really know. We don't know the environment that we're trying to plan for. We don't know the reality of our customers, of our clients, of our vendors, you know, in the coming yeah. weeks. And so uh, I'm trying to keep an open mind. I'm trying to explore a lot of possibilities and and take things as I go. I mean, one of the things I also want to avoid, and this is, you know, not, not my phrase. This is a discussion that's happening in a lot of closed groups, you know, for people in this industry is we also don't want to put out a bunch of panic products, right? Yeah. You don't want to sit here and say, okay, I'm going to create a course in eight hours and throw it up online and charge $500 for it. I mean, that's not in service of your audience. Hmm. It's not in service of your brand and the quality that, you know, you've promised to them that you, you stand for on your own. And so I want to make sure, again, I'm not making rash decisions mm -hmm. just, you know, to try to plug holes in a ship that feels like it may be sinking, but let's really take a look at what, what we're working with here and see what makes sense short term and long term i have a question you you were kind of getting there and alluding to this a little bit but i've had this conversation recently with other business yeah. owners and entrepreneurs and marketers like with what's going on right now how does one market because i mm -hmm. see some kind of tone deaf sales and marketing happening yeah. right now and I want to hear what you have to say, and then then I'll I'll say what kind of my friend and I uh, landed on the other day. But what's your thought on approaching that? Because we still have to feed our families. Business doesn't right. really stop, but we are in this new you know state stage right now. You know things aren't yeah. the same. So wh where's the line? I I can't pretend that I have all the answers yeah. on this front. I mean, one of the things I've been looking to is, you know, folks who have been through whether it's the the recession, you know, the yeah. the recession back in 2008 as business owners, folks who went through 9/11 as business owners, you know, other other sort of major crisis points in our history to see what lessons can be learned from that. And and I think that's that's kind of what I'm looking for at this point is to mm -hmm. see what I who I can learn from. Uh, personally, I know it feels kind of icky to be right, doing a exactly. lot of self-promotional stuff at this point. The one thing I have tried to do is be really transparent and to say yep. to people, look, um, you know, if you happen to be home and you are looking for book recommendations, then I have a book that just came out two weeks ago and your support would mean the world during this difficult time, right? Yep. Just trying to be totally transparent, just be not yeah. just being totally honest. You know, like you said, that's the other thing I'm trying to remember. All of us are in this uncertainty. All of yep. us are trying to feed our families, are trying to set ourselves up to protect ourselves, you know, insulate against any coming, you know, tragedy that could be coming yeah. our way. And so... I'm trying not to fault anyone for maybe making some mistakes along that path because this is uncharted territory for a lot of That's us. Most point. of us are not trained in crisis communications or in being a business owner during times of, of you know, of turmoil like this. And so yeah. there are most definitely going to be mistakes along the way. And, you know, I'm going to hope that I can learn lessons from those who have been through something similar and, and not make those mistakes, but also try to be a little understanding of folks who, who maybe don't have that example or, or, Aren't, don't have the liberty of waiting and seeing, you know, that, yeah. that are trying to make moves immediately. I can't fault them for trying to look after their family I and know. make sure their bills get paid too, you know? it's that, That's a that's a good way to be and have, have empathy like that because nobody really knows which way to, to go about it. And it does kind of feel icky. And then what, what my friend and I, who's a great human being, kind of landed on the other day is like, look, 
if your true north is to deliver real honest value, which it should be anyway, right? And in, in, right. in marketing, but like especially now more than ever, if that's your goal and your motivation, that you know, sending value to somebody, then I think that we can navigate that. If it's just like I got an email the other day of like a just a pushy sales thing about some software for my business, and it was just like, dude, that's come on, you know, I mean, yeah. it was like aggressive and it just sure. really felt icky. But um, like you saying, hey, guys, you're going to spend a lot of time at home alone. You're probably going to read some books. I've I've got one out there like you're not just like it's not about you and right. just about you in that sense. It's like, sure. hey, I have something that I'm offering that could yeah. help you at this time. So well, there yeah. have been a couple mark. I mean, we've all gotten the the mysterious marketing emails. I mean, right. we know that every business we've ever <laughs> right, interacted right, right, with right. is doing to to combat this situation. Um, but there have been a few that I feel like have actually been pretty useful. So um, a number of different softwares have reached out and said, "Hey, in case you didn't know, here are some of the features that you may find yourself wanting to use more in the coming mm. weeks as you may be See, working." That's, yeah, right. That's value. That's helpful. Exactly. Yep. Um, reaching out and saying, "Hey, we know you're not going to be able to use our service, so we're doing some sort of whether it's a deal or suspend or." Mm-hmm extend your your you know those kinds of things are useful they're answering the questions that we have you know which are many at this particular junction right sure. um, I work with a service that provides um, you know sort of remote and VA uh, assistance mm-hmm. help right to help with different projects so instead of reaching out and saying like hey you can't you know here's our policies you can't cancel your subscription or whatever they've said here are some of the things we can do to help you weather the storm right so Love here's it. the things our people are equipped to help you with you may be panicking about the following here's some solutions we can help you you know we can offer so thinking about how you can acknowledge the reality that your consumers readers listeners whoever the case may be, are going through at this particular time. And and acknowledging that within your messaging, I think, is the smart way to go. Because it's when you ignore it or you just pretend that nothing's happening and yeah. you're sending out sleazy sales messages, like that's when it really it really hits a, a sour note. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, a- as I told you before, uh, before we started, like I'm about halfway through the book. I've been really enjoying yeah. it. What I love about it, uh, there's a lot of people now in this storytelling space that, that we're in. And there's a lot of talk about theory and why it's important and that it's important but I'm noticing that there's not a ton about like how to you know what are the tactics not just the yeah. overall strategy everybody gets that now now for the most part I believe this is why people are interested in coming to storytelling presentations at conferences but that's what the first thing I love is like oh this is like a step-by-step guide that, that lays it out for people and in yeah. the intro I, I got really excited because I talk about this uh quite a bit too this kind of i think you you said it or phrased it as like this new generation of brand storytellers is that mm-hmm. is, yeah it, like now everybody has to be a content creator in some capacity it seems right people that never that weren't marketers yeah. or advertisers before they're an artist or they're an entrepreneur and they've got this pressure on them to to consistently create good content um, yeah. can, can you talk a little bit about this new uh, uh, group, this new chunk of the market that, that are people that aren't necessarily writers or filmmakers or artists, but now they're tasked with mm-hmm. having to produce great quality content now? 
Right. Well, there was a period of time where the way we interacted with almost everyone was in person. That's right. all we had, yes. right? I mean, you you were giving presentations or pitching in person, and then obviously the phone came along, and then there were those people who had that advantage of being very well-spoken on the phone. You know, doing phone sales would have an advantage. So we've seen that evolution happen multiple times, right, throughout yeah. our communications history. And I think where we are now is just there's been such a democratization of all these tools and mm. all these platforms that the people who have an advantage, like you said, are the ones who maybe weren't trained to be in communications or marketing or, you know, to be in journalism. Um, but suddenly they find themselves needing to share their message and their purpose and their products with an audience in all these different ways, right? They're having to wonder, okay, I'm a small diner in a local market. Do I need to be on TikTok right now? Is this a real, <laughs> uh, you know, is this a real thing? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're facing this all the time, figuring out how do we kind of get our message out in all these different formats? What do we say? How do we keep things fresh? How do we decide what we should be talking about in all these different places? And, you know, to your point, there's a lot of you should be doing this and there's not a lot of here's how to do it. And yeah. so that's really what, what I was trying to create with this book, uh, with the content fuel framework is just to show people all the different ways they maybe hadn't considered for how to share their story with the people who need to hear it. What do you think most of those people, let's take the diner who's questioning whether they yeah. should be on TikTok. What do you think <laughs> most of those uh, people or brands are struggling with in, in, in terms? I mean, I, yeah, I think there's there's a couple of things that are a consistent struggle. I mean, yeah. one is people often feel that they, they don't have the skills or the talent or the creativity, right? There's some sort of insecurity about, well, I'm not a YouTuber or I'm right. not a writer right? You have this, this insecurity about your ability to sort of rise to that new challenge. Um, so, you know, the book hopefully helps combat that. Give, feel, it makes you feel like you've got tools to do that. Um, but another one that comes up is a feeling like you've got a lack of resources and that mm -hmm. could be time. Uh, it could be money. Like, I don't know that I don't have the right equipment to create a podcast or I don't have a good enough camera to, to film videos. Um, you know, I'm busy enough as it is. I'm supposed to be cooking at the diner. How am I supposed to also be creating, you know, videos for, for exactly, YouTube? Yeah. Um, so I think that that a big part of that can be combated by having a plan of some kind, right? Big, yeah. So often just the intimidation comes from a lack of familiarity, which makes sense. You've never done it before. You don't know how much work or time or effort it takes. And so it's scary. Um, but hopefully if you have a, you have a plan and you understand how you're going to go about creating some of this stuff, it makes it a little less scary. Can you talk to me a little bit about, I love your philosophy and, or at least how, and how you convey it so simply of, of, story determining the format this is something yeah. that that group of people off also suffers from or struggles with is like yeah we need to make youtube videos and like that's their first goal and it's like to me that's so backwards because About then it's what? like any yeah. video will do right, <laughs> right. and it's like exactly let's let's back it up a little bit what's the goal behind the goal right right um so so can you explain to me what that that issue is that people have when yeah. they're just like hey tiktok is popping right now we gotta go TikToks. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so when we talk about story determining the format and not the other way around the important thing what we're saying is you need to figure out what you're going to say because that is actually what's most important when we start with a format first exactly like you said that's your way of saying how we say something is somehow more important or more of a priority than what we're actually going to say which we know cannot be true right, right. 
So it, it really comes down to figuring out what are we going to talk about? What's our story? What's our message? What are we going to say? And then we can ask ourselves that question. Well, what's the best way to bring that particular story to life? Mm -hmm. Because it might be a video, but it also might be an infographic or it might be a podcast, you know, a piece of audio. It might be live video because that gives us the most flexibility. So it just, it, you really have to ask yourself, what is the story that you're trying to tell? What are you going to talk about? And then that's the question I always encourage people to ask. What's the best way to bring this story to life because mm -hmm. the answer may not be what you're expecting and if you're forcing something into a video you're going to end up with a bad video and nobody wants to waste their time and resources on that not you creating it not your audience consuming it so you might as well focus on on figuring out that story first so that whatever format you put it out in is going to be best in service of you and your message but mm -hmm. also in service of your audience and how they're going to best benefit from that content when at what point did you realize that storytelling was really the key to kind of connecting with people. I mean, because I think when you don't have access to these tools or bells and whistles yeah. and you're not a great uh, ed video editor, then the best way to, to utilize that format is to, to tell a good story with it, right? If you don't have a yeah. lot of expertise and tools, when, when did that become like painfully obvious to you in your career? That, it's such a hard question to answer. So for me, my background is I was a journalist first. That's okay, what I so studied. You're always telling stories. Yeah. So yeah. I've I've been a storyteller. You know. Oh my God. Since I I can't even tell you how long. My mom uh, jokes that when I was a kid, one of my hobbies I would do is I would say, Oh, I'm making books, and I would you know <laughs> fold paper in half, eight and half by eleven uh, in half, and I would put stickers and stuff, and that was my hobby. I mean, I they were it. about. Who knows what? But, um, you know, I, I think I always understood that this, this was a way to capture people's attention and to transmit information. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always loved about journalism is that every story I was assigned or I was pitching was my opportunity to become an expert in something, right? To talk yeah. to people who were really smart on particular Love subjects, or had really relevant experience. And then it was my job to sort of collect all of that and share it with someone else in a way that took them time to learn it than it did me so it was like each story was a new challenge to learn something and so i think seeing the power of that and and saying if i could help brands marketers individuals do this understand how to collect relevant information yeah. and present it more efficiently i mean gosh we'd all we'd all yeah. be much better off you know yeah this 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 brings up another question um so I'm my background is in documentary filmmaking. Another thing that I uh, that uh, we have in common that I love about my job is being able to to dive deep into these like niche esoteric worlds that that people don't know about that I get yeah. to learn about from the top you know specialists or experts in that field. But then our job is to package that right and send it out to lay people so that they can they can understand it. Right. Um, and, and can you talk a little bit about how, and this applies to, to your branding and your marketing to how packaging that in a narrative and a story makes it so much easier to communicate that maybe hard to comprehend or decipher information that brands have brands want to be stat heavy and data heavy. Right now, right. I, I work with a rare cancer foundation. It's super easy for a doctor to be in Jargon City, and mm -hmm. like it's which is another world than most of the patients that are learning about it. So my job is to make that as simple as possible, tell a good story so they can latch on to it. Why, why, and how is storytelling effective at taking that nuance, that's that specific data that's hard to understand, and making it understandable? 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, if you're looking into the specifics of like the psychology of storytelling, there are some experts you can look to, folks like Kendra Hall or Donald Miller, you know, who have really created yeah, their yeah. own theories on on how story comes together and, and how it moves us, right? But if you think about it just at the most basic level, yeah. you talked about your your documentary filmmaking. When you go out and do a project, I mean, you probably have hundreds of hours of footage, Big right? Time. Your audience, and this is true for all of us, right? No matter who your audience is, they don't have time for the hundreds of hours of footage of whatever right. it is that you know, right? You've taken a lifetime or weeks or months to gather expertise, gather information, to learn about whatever it is that you do. Your audience doesn't have that time. So what they need you to do is act like an editor to decide what's the most relevant information for mm -hmm. this audience. What order does this information need to come in to make sure that they can understand it efficiently? And how do we present it in a way that's going to have an impact, right? So you think about any time in your day-to-day -day life, you're already doing this. When someone says, how was your day? You don't say, I woke up at precisely 6.31 a.m. I then sat up into a 90-degree angle. I then rotated and put my feet on the floor, right? Yeah. You understand that it's not your job to give them all the information, but to sort of cut and get a highlight reel and say, yeah. okay, well, the best part of my day was this. And then, oh, hey, I saw uh, your your friend from class. I saw them you know, at the coffee shop. You, you pick and choose what's most relevant for your audience and what's most compelling. So mm -hmm. you already have this skill innately. You're already doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah in your day-to-day -day life. And so the question is, why do we often have a blind spot when it comes to our marketing that, as you said, we're going to give them a list of 75 <laughs> product features instead of saying, here's the most relevant features for you, right? Or yeah. here's every customer we've ever worked with and their, their rating of us instead of saying, here's our three most compelling testimonials that are most eloquent and most meaningful yes, for us. Yes, you know? yes. So that, that element of, of editing and presenting the most relevant and the most compelling and the most credible mm -hmm. is, I think, how you can really differentiate yourself in your space because you're taking on that mindset of, you know, a documentary filmmaker or a journalist and, and presenting what's most relevant for your audience. Yeah, I, I talked to someone else that, that put it in a, another metaphor. Where Are you in New York? Yeah, New York area, yeah. Uh, so... If if I were to ask you uh, what 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 area what neighborhood? Uh, so I actually live just across the river in Jersey City. Okay, got so it. So still still in the subway line. Still but close. We're, the, so so if I'm going over to Jersey City and I'm asking you know about what restaurants to go to and you're telling right. me about a restaurant, you wouldn't tell me oh you're gonna love this place and then go through like their specials and their menu items and all the you know how many chairs and tables are yeah. in there like you're gonna say oh we went you know my husband and I went a couple weeks ago we sat down they brought out this amazing appetizer you described the appetizer and how mm -hmm. it's you know and all that sort of stuff so you're right yeah. we already do this it's just we get kind of caught up and and we we trick ourselves into thinking that oh we got to talk about ourselves more we got to talk about the features more right but yeah if we can just tap into that like how would you describe the great meal you had last night to a friend right that's going to be in a story and a narrative and I think some of that it's so interesting is that it, it really comes down to the way you think about your relationship with your audience and Love and I don't it. mean yeah. I don't mean to say that we all have the wrong relationship with no, our no, audience no. but what I mean is if we think about it more like we are here in service of them, yes. right? Rather than we are trying to capture them, which sounds so hostile, right? Or, or <laughs> yes. convert them uh, or trap them in some way, retain them, right? It, it feels very transactional. But if you think about it as how can I add the most value possible to my audience? Yeah. What can I do that 
that would really help them improve their lives, make things easier for them, let them do something faster or, or you know, use less resources. If you're truly, truly acting of service, if you feel like your job is to provide value and that hopefully by providing value, you prove that you're worthy of that, you know, giving some value back to you. Yeah. I think it really shifts the way that you try to deliver information because it no longer feels like a tactic. You know, it doesn't feel like, uh, I mean, it, tactics and strategies are important, but it, it feels like you're really trying to provide value. And in yes. doing that, you know, the storytelling, the narrative, the the construction of the way you engage with them is, is much more natural. Like you said, how would you describe it to a friend? Exactly. You know, instead of if if you were telling that story and in the back of your mind was I'm being compensated on how many of my friends I convert to this restaurant, your approach might change, right? Yeah. So thinking truly about putting that value first, trying to provide value to your audience with your content, I think it, it naturally comes out of you when you take that approach. I love it. Love it. Well, let's let's talk about the book a little bit because uh, like I said, I, I love the fact that you're actually laying out a framework and a roadmap for people to follow instead of just saying, hey, story is great, you know, provide value <laughs> to your to your customers and your community. Yeah. Go get them, champ. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> I want you to, to, to explain the, the content fuel framework, the, the 10 by 10 grid that you created. Yeah. And then I think we're going to have time to maybe talk about three of, of each of the axes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, tell me what what is the framework that you establish? Absolutely. So just like we were talking about here, story before format, the, the idea behind the content fuel framework, which is the name of the book and also the system itself, is that every piece of content that you can create or that you have ever consumed is made up of two elements. It's a focus. So that's the message, the story, what it's mm -hmm. about. And it's a format. It comes to life in some sort of way, you know, writing, video, audio, etc. So once we understand that, that every piece of content we might create for our audience has those two elements, then by having a list of potential focuses and a list of potential formats, it becomes really easy to come up with unique combinations and new mm. ways to tell stories that you maybe hadn't thought of before right. because you're sort of picking one from one list and one from the other and seeing new ways that these things might work together. So... Uh, we can walk through a couple examples here. Uh, like we said in the book, there's 10 uh, focuses, 10 things that you might tell stories about with tons of examples and then 10 plus formats, different ways you might bring those stories to life. But we'll we'll pick a couple here just to, and to so, give some basics. And so just so I understand that that basically means that one idea could mm -hmm. potentially could potentially be a hundred different uh, hundred different pieces of content if you just did, like, went by the uh, the grid. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And the idea, you know, some people are like, my God, I don't have energy to create 100 pages of content. <laughs> it's just period. to get your, your, your brain exactly. working. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the idea is that, um, you know, when you think about if, if you were going to create a recipe, you know, in your kitchen, the first mm. thing you would do is make a list of potential ingredients. And you yeah. might not use everything right, in your right, pantry, right. but knowing what you have and what your options are allows you to come up with the best possible combination. Yeah, I, I love that concept. Do, do you know uh, James Altiger? Yeah, got the business podcast. He's got got this kind of similar idea of, you know, let's say I'm coming up for a title of a of a film. Is like don't try to come up with one title. Come up with like twenty, mm -hmm. and eighteen of them are going to suck. And that's the point of the exercise is you just right. need to get those creative juices flowing. And you can't do that if you're like, oh no, that's not perfect. And trying to find the perfect one, just you know, get get the brainstorming going. So I, I think this is a similar approach where you're like, yeah, you might not exactly. produce a hundred pieces of content, but you might have seven great ones and you didn't even yeah. think of six of them before. So exactly. Okay. So yep. let's, let's talk about um, a couple of different focuses uh, yeah. that stories that we might tell. 
Right. So the focuses, again, are those things that you tell your stories about. So the first mm. one that's in the book and that is my absolute favorite is people. I think so often, you know, people-focused stories, the stories that focus on people or groups, individuals or groups of people are some of the most compelling stories out there because they're so relatable. You see yourself, you see someone you know. So looking for those people within your organization or outside of your organization that you can tell stories about. So if you're a small business owner, um, you know, bookstores do this oftentimes where they create content, what their their employees make book recommendations, right? Um, Those kinds of things, it's a really easy way to do it. This is what a person, you know, is choosing from amongst our our uh, our offerings, um, but this could be telling a customer story. Your testimonials mm-hmm. and your case studies fall into this category. Um, you know, ta- interviewing your founder, talking to happy customers, all yeah. of this kind of content where people are at the center of the story are really you know really compelling, really relatable content. So people is one of my absolute favorite, and I always ask for every situation: can we tell the story through a person's perspective? I think that's the best way to do it. Big time, yeah. Characters. Yeah, exactly. You need them. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so the next one I would say I want to dive into is process. So okay. process is really fun. And I think process is going to be particularly important for those of us who are maybe struggling in this current uh, environment with, with COVID-19 because many of the things we would have been doing ourselves, we are now going to have, or we, rather that we would have found someone else to do, yes. we may now have to do ourselves. So it's not hard to imagine an environment where a few weeks from now, I've got to be looking up how to cut my husband's hair because his barbershop <laughs> is still closed, wow. right? Yeah. So I'm going to need that process-focused content. Hopefully I'll do a good job. We'll see, <laughs> right? Um, but looking up those things that we uh, creating process focused content really walks people through a process. So, so like how to guides. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. recipes, um, tutorials, Which I how think, to. I think are like the most sought after or searched like YouTube videos or like yes. people love how to content. Okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Google has released some data that shows that, uh, looking for instructional content, you know, things that are going to walk me through something. Think about every makeup tutorial. That's a yeah. huge category, right? Walking you through step-by-step how to how to complete a process. And so many people feel like my business or my whatever it is that I do is not super interesting to other people. Do I really want to show them this process? Mm. It's absolutely interesting to other people. And oftentimes we see a process and we realize I can't do that process by myself and I still need to hire this expert to help me do it. So yeah. don't feel afraid to to share some of the process and, and coach your audience how to accomplish something. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And another one that I want to give out that I think a lot of people may be avoiding is data. So data-focused content I think is a really cool opportunity. Yeah, let's so, talk about that. How do we make data yeah. interesting for people who aren't, <laughs> who aren't you know, like the people creating it? Yeah. So, I mean, when you talk about data-focused content, it doesn't have to be just sharing a bunch of data points, right? It doesn't right. have to be just here's 15 statistics on a bulleted list and that's the end of the, end yeah. of the thing. But the idea is to say how could we tell this story through numbers, how, how could we approach the story through numbers? So if you think of an, uh, an example where um, we had our, our diner that we were referencing yeah, right yeah, yeah. earlier who's trying to decide about TikTok, if they're saying, look, we need to talk to our audience a little bit, how could we do that through data? Well, what if they shared just a little inside scoop that says, we go through this many dozen eggs every single morning making omelets, right? Um, our waitress who's been here the longest has worked here for this number of years. On average, our wait staff walks three and a half miles per shift just mm. walking around the restaurant. So just asking how could they share whatever story they want to tell about what, you know, their place in the community, 
their customers, their products, whatever it may be, how do they share that story through numbers? So I'll give you a good example. When, uh, when I came out with the book, one of the things I asked myself is how could I tell the story of the book through numbers? Like I, how do I practice what I preach? Yes. And so I had a page on my website I created where I shared, okay, here's how many words, how many pages, how many different cafes did I work in while I was oh, trying I love to that. book? Um, how many people were mentioned in the acknowledgements? How many times did I use the word content? You know, so I kind of went through and pulled a bunch of just interesting, fun numbers to see this is sort of my book by the numbers. And you could do the same thing for your business. I've seen something about you. I think it was with Grant and the Speaker yeah. Lab crew. It, it was a blog about you or something. And it had that for like how many hours, uh, plane hours that you had or something yeah. like that. So this is something yep. that you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I 100%. It. I did. The thing that you're referencing was um, I had been a professional speaker for a few years. And mm-hmm. I thought, how do I share about what I do professionally by the numbers? Yeah. So, I created an infographic that said in this past year, which I think the year was 2017 that I did this and I should do it again. Um, But I shared, yeah, how many planes was I on? How many trains was I on? How many different nights did I spend in hotels? How many total audience members? How many slides had I shared? So I just looked at all the numbers of my business to see this is what my speaking career was like by the numbers this year. And there are people that want to be speakers and and more importantly want to know what that life is like. I mean, that's a perfect story for them. This is such a great example because I saw it and it's just like a one-page infographic, but that's super informative and relevant to a big group of people out there. So that's a perfect example. Well, and that makes for a really good transition, actually, because you mentioned that you saw it as an infographic. So I did compile all that data first. I actually just did it in the spreadsheet. And then I said to myself, well, what's the best way for me to share this this data, right? I could just write a whole blog post with a bunch of numbers in it, but I think making it visual is the best way to do it. So I chose as my format, the way to bring that content to life was infographic. I used a bunch of icons. Here's a plane mm-hmm. icon. Yeah, Here's how many yeah. planes I was on, right? So that's a, a perfect example of trying to match your different focuses with your different formats. Here I am. I've shared some of that data in audio form as well. So, yeah. um, you know, infographic, I think let's talk about that first. Because, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, infographics, I think, are, are overlooked a little bit because we think, well, I'm not a designer, right? So right. who am I to go creating graphics? Right. There are so many really easy tools that will help you do this. Canva, C-A-N-V-A is one of them. If you're familiar, they have lots of templates. It's drag and drop. You need zero design experience and you can make really cool, compelling graphics that way. So don't be intimidated by that. And I always tell people, if you are familiar and comfortable in Microsoft Word or PowerPoint or Keynote, you can make graphics there too. So Mm -hmm. work with the tools that you have that you're comfortable with. It's not not a a reason or an excuse not to create something. point like powerpoint you can just create a slide and export that one that one yeah yeah yeah. so there's probably a lot of people who create powerpoints for business or speeches but don't think about like hey i can just create a a, an infographic with that yeah and and if you're if you're really intimidated by it or you don't have the time which i acknowledge there are a lot of ways you can get this stuff done by other people who have that expertise so you could use a tool like fiverr Mm -hmm. you can put out a call on social media we're looking for a designer we're looking for a video producer whatever the case may be and my top recommendation find a local school that has a journalism or communications program and there are going to be really talented students with access to technology and tools and software who want to create cool projects for their portfolio big time plus one to that that is (laughs) it's a good group to pull from yeah and they're hungry they're in you know they want to get good uh good work under their belt too so yeah for sure yeah Yeah. okay so so infographics is is the first format which i love what's next audio so one of the things that i always share about 
audio is big, right? Here we are. We're doing a podcast. Obviously, you're you're bought in. I'm bought in. Um, I think one of the things that maybe holds some people back is the idea that they can only create audio content if it is an interview show that releases weekly. I think our idea of what audio means has been limited down to our most common experience of a podcast. Yes. And it's important to remember that there are a lot of ways that you can add audio to existing content that adds a ton of value. So I'll give you a really good example. There's a tool called Coughativity. I don't know if you've heard of this. It is literally a website where you can put on ambient sounds of a coffee shop to simulate that kind of environment wherever you are. So oh. I'm a person who really enjoys working in coffee shops. That's yeah, yeah. like my perfect vibe for getting work done. <laughs> um, but we are social distancing. We're working from <laughs> right now. And the total silence at home with a rare baby cry in the background does not work for me yeah. from a productivity perspective. So this company allows me to listen in and hear what a coffee shop sound is like, right? And it's, I don't know, a, a, an hour or two of loop that just plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's ambient sound, but mm -hmm. there's ambient sound that can be really valuable to you. If you're a nature preserve, let people listen to the birds, right? If you are at a park, if you're a school, I mean, there's so many ways you can share audio content that's not just our preconceived idea of a regular podcast show, you know, mm -hmm. an interview style show with guests. So think about ways you could share audio that might be a little different than what you're used to. Yeah, I have a, something to add to that. This season of the Storytelling Lab, we're actually, um, we, we usually release every other week. And on the in-between weeks, uh, we're releasing some special episodes. Last year, I produced uh, or hosted a live storytelling series here in North Carolina mm -hmm. about different pillars of health. We called it Health and Happiness. So one month, we talk about mental health, financial health the next month, relationship health, and we had four or five storytellers come, and we recorded them all. And so now, in between our main episodes of the Storytelling Lab, I'll put out a 15-minute, it's just a somebody telling a live story about how they navigated burnout in the medical field, or whatever it may be. And that's, that's not an yeah. interview. I I do a little intro and then I just pass it off to them. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's a great way. That's another way to, to think about the content that you already have and what's a way to repurpose it. Right. And, and just yeah. use the audio. Yeah. Or here's another really good example. Um, how many of us have had the experience of going into a mechanic or some other type of repair person and trying to awkwardly replicate a sound <laughs> that some thing yeah. you own has made, right? <laughs> how valuable would it be if you were a mechanic or a repair person to let people pay, play the clips so that they can say, Oh, this is, the, this is the sound that, my car is making. That's yeah. how I know this is the issue I need fixed, right? Wow. So you're giving your audience audio information that could really help them, you know, become better customers, have a better conversation with you. And again, adding value to their life. But how much easier would it be if someone called up and said, hey, I played the clips on your site. Sounds like my rotor needs to be adjusted this or my caliper. That's such, service, a, right? such a great idea. Versus yeah. calling up and saying, my car is kind of going katunk, 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 right, katunk, right, and right, I turn right. a corner. <laughs> Right. Like that's not super helpful. It would be so much better if you could give them the yeah, audio. Yeah, that's right? genius. So, I love that. So just thinking about how audio could add value to your site and to your customers, even if it's not a podcast show. Yeah, no, I love that one. That's that's such a good one because everybody's sounds that they're going to make to replicate it are going to be vastly different. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah that's so, good. And then the last one I want to encourage people to experiment with would be a quiz. Mm. And Quiz, I think we we think of a quiz as like something super fun. We don't necessarily think of it as a content piece. And so I want to shift your perspective on that a little yes, bit. Yes, let's. Think of an environment where your customer is probably having to choose between a number of different products. Okay. One way they can do that is to read through 10, 15 different product pages on your website mm -hmm. and try to come to a conclusion on their own. 
One way they might do it is to find someone else's blog post comparing your product and someone else's, and yes. then they're going to trust someone else's opinion of what's the better choice. But there's also a world where they can take a quiz and they say, these are my particular needs. This is the thing that I'm struggling with. This is the budget I'm comfortable spending. So good. Yeah. Serve up an answer that says, it sounds like based on what you're describing, this is probably the right product for you. Here's where you could learn more about it. Here's a blog post. Here's a product page, et cetera. But you're giving them you know, that information, helping yeah. them. And, and, and allowing them to be part of the process. I mean, I yeah. automatically see how I can use that in my business because I have different people. We do products projects of different sizes and scopes people still like to to initiate the conversation with how much how much do you charge for a video and i'm like it could be a thousand dollars it could be a hundred thousand dollars it depends on the size of it so having that questionnaire like why don't you fill this out first you know are you like local nonprofit budget or are you like Mm -hmm. global corporation budget Right. Are you looking for one video or 10 videos? Are you looking for us to film it on site or, you know, do you want to just by collecting that information? And and, um, and I like uh, I think you were actually talking about the mechanic, you know, in the previous example. But this applies to where you're helping your customers and your clients be better customers. Right. You're kind of educating them before they come to the table with you. And so you're making the whole process seamless or at least more seamless. And so that helps them. It helps you. It helps everybody. The other thing you can do is you can use a quiz as a way to bucket your audience into different groups or identities. Mm. And so in this case, it's not really so much of a, which product is right for you, but maybe like which type of runner are you? Or, you know, Buzzfeed does this often where it's like, which character of from friends are you? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's probably a fun, lighthearted <laughs> version of that that you can do. So, you know, we were talking about travel, for example, earlier, my travel infographic. If I were a travel company, you know, right now is probably not a great time to be advertising travel, but maybe I wanted to make some fun, engaging content to see, okay, which countries have you been to? People can Mm -hmm. click off which countries they visited or how many times they fly per year. And then it gives them a category of like, you're an all-star traveler or, you know, you're, I don't know, you know, it gives them like these fun little categories of, of what type traveler they might be or or same thing for whatever applies to your business and there's actually a third type of quiz which is probably the one we're most familiar with and that's when we're testing somebody's knowledge so Mm. this would be um, the kind we're used to like in a school environment right how much do you know about blank Um, but that kind of content can be valuable for your audience as well so imagine um, you know an environment where you want to understand how much does your audience know about a particular topic that's important for their selection of your of your product or the way they interact with you. And when they fill out that quiz, you get information about where they are in the funnel, where they are in their journey to becoming a customer and what other information they might need because they got particular topics or questions wrong. Mm -hmm. So you can serve up relevant information that says, okay, looks like you got eight out of 10, right? Seems like you might need to learn a little bit more about this. Here's a great blog post on that topic, or sounds like you might need a little bit more help figuring out this particular subject. Here's a video we created to walk you through right mm. so you're really letting your audience tell you exactly what they need to learn more about and that can be super helpful for kind of again coaching them down that content funnel Definitely. toward becoming the best possible customer and you being able to provide the best value awesome awesome i love it i love it so i have a question because uh, i've noticed that you are you know appropriately appropriately so kind of a content machine uh, <laughs> at least late you know lately you got the book coming out so you got yeah. a lot that you're promoting um so 
I know this differs for different people on how they like to approach thing, but approach things. But for you, um, do you prefer to batch content or just or have like a daily practice where you're like every morning for an hour you're doing stuff? Like, how do you approach that? In an ideal world, I would love to have a daily practice, but instead I have a six-month-old, so I have to batch content. There. <laughs> uh, the only way for me to get stuff done yeah. is oh, to she's carve asleep. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the only way for me to get stuff done is to carve out time that's specific for you know recording videos or writing blog posts. And mm. the one caveat I always give to people, I try to be as transparent as possible. If you were to go and look at my blog or, or my social channels, you might not find the kind of consistency and amazing productivity of content that you'd expect based on our conversation here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I acknowledge that I have limited resources just like many of you do. And so I have to pick and choose where to spend my time. Um, And so, you know, I'm not blogging every single week. I'm Mm -hmm. not putting out YouTube videos every single Wednesday like some of my favorite YouTubers. Um, And I think it's okay and important for us to admit that, right? Because I know that so many of your audience is going to be in that same boat where the idea of doing this regularly is going to be a challenge. And so- I try to be open and honest about the fact of that course. I'm not doing that myself. No, even. it's I, tough. In an ideal world, we try. Mm-hmm. Um, but batching content can go a long way toward helping that. So whether that means scheduling it or creating it in advance, um, I find that if, if your challenge is short resources, then batching and being able to schedule and plan in advance is usually the best way to combat that. Mm, awesome. Um, well, I, this is conversation is exactly what I wanted it to be. It's exactly a great rep, um, representation of the book, which is, you know, functional, like fundamental advice that people can apply as soon yeah. as they hear it. So thank you so much for, for taking the time. I know you've got a baby at home and your <laughs> your husband's uh, holding down the fort right now. So I appreciate you yeah. taking the time among all this craziness and I, I wish you all well and whatever happens. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. This is well- unprecedented uncharted territory for sure you know and i think it's really i I really appreciate the chance to kind of get to talk about the book and and share what's in it i do hope that it's been helpful for your your listeners too and i really believe in all of you that you can go out and tell these stories and and create really awesome content that helps your customers so uh, please do you know check out the book let me know if i could help with anything i'd love to see all the stories that you all go out and create what's the easiest place for them to find it i guess amazon yeah, so the book is called The Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas. You could find it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, an audiobook is in production, not quite ready yet, but are we'll you, get it out you, there are for you, you doing soon. doing it? I am, good, yeah. Good, good, Any special <laughs> bonus material since you're recording it? There just might be some uh, bonus uh, material. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yes, it should be fun. If you if you want a, a short link, if you go to IWantMelaniesBook.com, that'll take you right to Amazon. So we set that up to make it easy. But otherwise, you could search for it, uh, the Content Fuel Framework. Love it, love it. Well, thanks for taking the time. It was great chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit better. And everybody listening, go get the book. I'm about halfway through, and it is just chock full of great tangible tips. Appreciate thanks. it, Melanie. Thanks for letting me share my story. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow. And that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.